that's not the sound of a faucet. That is the sound of a driveway. So I just pulled up to Darius Watkins' house on the east side of Detroit. And the first thing I notice is there's water running from his house down his driveway to the street. And then it's going down the street and creating puddles on both directions. And that's his sidewalk that you just heard. Sounds like a pool. Flooding is by no means a new problem in the state of Michigan. We saw it in Metro Detroit in 2014 and 2016. Last summer, after days of rain, the Edenville Dam broke. And then there's this year, 2021, when Detroit has faced what feels like nonstop flooding this entire summer. It seems like every time the water recedes, a new wave of rain crashes over the state again, causing damage, bringing cities to a halt, and most of all, hurting Michiganders. And look at it, it's soaking wet. Ugh. I need to take these out of there. Hopefully they'll dry out and be okay, I don't know. It's a lot to handle. Um, it's a lot to, to sacrifice. It, it kind of robs people of that opportunity to build something that they can pass down in their family for, for generations. Today we're talking about the one thing Detroiters are tired of right now. Water. A lot of it. Flooding continues to destroy the basements and foundations of homes. So, where are we headed? Who will be impacted? And how do we stop it? My name is Kerry Jr. II host of the Detroit Free Press's new weekly podcast. This is On The Line. It's July, and puddles of water line the sidewalks of the Jefferson Chalmers neighborhood. There's furniture in front of some homes, but it's a sunny day. And if you didn't know any better, you wouldn't have guessed it rained. Testing one, two, testing one, two. Except testing when you one, pull two. up. Darius Watkins? Yeah. How you doing, sir? How you doing, man? To Darius Watkins' place. This is the first thing I noticed is all this water you got. Going on out, out here, all this, all this water. Where is this coming from? So, Kerry, this is coming from the back. So, um, from, the from the creek? Yeah. Because of the storm, I have water seeping out this hole right here. Is that just like a, a, a random hole in the ground? That's a hole in the ground that's coming because of the, the access water from the, the creek. And this, is, this has been here since the first rainstorm? Um, yeah. Wow. Yep. It's almost a month you've had this water. Yep. All the way down your driveway. Yep. We even got it to a point where um, like the driveway and, and the everything. Sidewalk. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's a uh, it's tragic carry. Darius has been managing the damage done to his property since the rainstorm in June. The water has transformed this place Darius has known his entire life. My grandfather and my grandmother purchased this home. Whew. I would want to say the 70s and they migrated 
um, from the south up here. So can you tell me a little bit about the home and like the, the memories you had in it growing up, which oh, I used man. to do? Oh man, um, this backyard was used for fish fries, it was used for karaoke, it was used to handle um, neighborhood disputes. Um, my grandmother was kind of like a, a, a peacekeeper in, in the neighborhood. She would um, bring folks down and you know instill her her guidance and her wisdom through her cooking. This this home just has a lot of great memories of just bringing folks together. And I want to keep it, and I'm passionate about it, uh, which is why this this water situation, not only for me but for my entire neighborhood, um, is is. It's, it's hurtful because every time it rains or any time a catastrophic weather event occurs, it's gonna affect this area the hardest. Water always wins. <laughs> it's got the time, it's got the uh, mass and momentum to make things happen, you know, on its own time. This is Bill Schuster, professor of civil engineering at Wayne State University. Bill worked for the EPA for over 18 years. He worked on stormwater and wastewater issues, a lot of the same problems that are hitting us today. I was able to convince the powers that be that it was important to understand how water moves through our urban communities. We all use drinking water. We all produce wastewater. We sometimes suffer at the hands of water. If we understand how water is moving through our neighborhoods, our communities, our cities. We can better engineer infrastructure that yields services equitably across our habitations. So on June 25th, 26th. So take me back to June 26th. What's going through your mind? I was out at the time. We had a soaking event, a pre-soaking event that saturated the soil in our landscapes in Detroit. And I received uh, some calls about the, the flooding on um, 94. I immediately knew like, okay, it's probably gonna be a show trying to get back to the house. Once the, the huge pulse hit very early in the morning on the 26th. Um, and you seeing just rain, just pouring, 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 pouring. It's it basically just raining, raining on 100% uh, hard surface. Mm. Soils just can't handle it. I guess the, the popular uh, Southern euphemism for this is like a bat out of hell. <laughs> so. so what happened is that our wastewater conveyance, collection and conveyance system, were probably undersized the day they were finished. The water can leak into the system, rainfall-derived inflow and infiltration, where the water soaks in through the soils and makes its way downward and flows into the pipes, taking up valuable capacity. As we pointed out earlier in the conversation, water always wins. It's gonna relieve you know, pressure by, by moving wherever it can most easily. And in this case, it was our basement. The city runs on a combined sewer system. It carries both stormwater and sewage. So during a storm, that's what can show up in the Detroiters basement. We, we just got down and just acted quickly and, and got rid of as much stuff as possible. The night of it was really chaotic. Quick note, Detroit is a more than 300-year-old city that sprung up because of water, the Detroit River, and the chance for trade. Some of our pipes are over 100 years old. According to the city, that can be a good thing, if they're sturdy. But they've also sought to strengthen them. I just want to ask a clarification point. You said... Um, 
they probably weren't efficient size when they were done. Was that, do you mean like when they were initially built? Detroit writ large is a very, very old system. Um, and so it's broken. There's breaks where water, again, can soak in. Would you say that that's what's led to the floods, the fact that our infrastructure is undersized now for the type of rain we've been seeing? Well, it's it's definitely, you know, partially uh, that's, that's it. One of the other things at play, power outages that impacted both city and highway pump stations. In any case, it was Darius and his family in the basement trying to solve the problem in their house. And I'm extremely happy that um, family kind of just kind of like came together and said, okay, let's let's take care of this as, as soon as possible. Saturday, things were able to dissipate. We was able to get, you know, pumps out, try to get as much of the water out as possible. Um, and then, like, we started that process within that week of taking everything out. Uh, I, I feel as if, although the water really kicked my butt, so to say, there are people who experienced way, way, way worse. Thank you. And just a few blocks away, one of Darius's neighbors wasn't able to salvage her things. Um, be careful coming down. Okay. This is Jacqueline Richmond. We're in her basement in Jefferson Chalmers, and she's showing me the items that were lost and the damage that was done to her home. So uh -huh. the last time in 2016, uh -huh. I had these put in. These shelves. Correct. So that I could take everything off of the floor. But as you can see from the what the way the paint is coming out up there, back oh, there, yeah. the water came all the way up here. Oh, wow. It's like peeling. So, see, the water got messed this up. Oh, oh, man. It was hanging. So, this is the weed wrapper you have hanging from the ceiling. Yes. And the motor is, unfortunately, hanging down. Christmas decoration got water in it. Okay. Um. And i'm just so sick because mm -hmm. i normally oh, wow. don't put this stuff down here mm -hmm. but i said okay it's okay it's up high it'll be okay and look at it it's soaking wet Ugh. i need to take these out of there hopefully they'll dry out and be okay i don't know the last rain i came down here and i kept hearing running water mm. i got down on my knees you have to get a, a flashlight to actually see it, but yep, the foundation is cr finally cracked through, and I, that was my biggest fear. We'll be right back. Hi, my name is Phoebe Wall Howard, and I am an automotive reporter at the Detroit Free Press. This year, we have covered an incredible range of stories, people, products, business trends, everything about cars and the people who design them, as well as the people who buy them, whether it's the Ford F-150 all-electric Lightning or the Mustang Mach-E, the hot little Maverick, or a profile on the chief engineer, Linda Zhang, who plans to transform the industry with her vision of electrification. We also do profiles of executives behind the scenes, how things come to be, and in the case of Ford Motor Company, why Oreo cookies played such a major role in the development of truck design. Many, many people reach out and ask, how can we support your work or how can we read more about this? And one of the easiest ways is to subscribe to the Detroit Free Press. We are the most reasonably priced in the whole country, 
For $1, you can receive six months of digital access for all of my work and that of my team on the autos coverage, as well as news, politics, education here at the Detroit Free Press. To learn more, head to freep.com backslash special offer. Thanks so much. Okay, we're back. Jacqueline just told me in her basement that her home foundation was cracking from the water that was backed up after the storm. But now we're on her porch. What are some of your fondest memories of this home? Um, playing at that playground across the street. Family picnics, Christmas dinners, Thanksgiving dinners. You know, everybody came over here. Cause this was the largest house. There's a lot of memories, a lot of memories here. You know, a lot of people say home is where the heart is. A lot of us put our hearts into our homes. You know, we work hard to get the things that we want. We pray that don't nobody come and take what we have or try to destroy what we have. And every time it rains, we have to pray and pray that our basements doesn't flood. She says she actually went and spoke with the Water Authority at a meeting in 2016 to discuss some of the issues she was having. What has been the response previously? They talk to us like we're idiots, that we don't understand certain things. It's just really disheartening that the Water Department the and GLW, GLWA, whatever they are called, cause yeah, they don't seem to have a plan in place to even fix this problem or go about fixing this problem. We spoke with the Great Lakes Water Authority, or GLEWA is what we call it. It runs the pump stations that partially failed during the first major storm, and it's one of two entities responsible for the Detroit water system. The other is the Detroit Water and Sewage Department. Gliwa leases the infrastructure as part of the city's bankruptcy restructuring from 2015. We tried to set up an interview with someone at DWSD, but were unable. Still, Director Gary Brown, shortly after the flooding, pointed to climate change and the need for more resilient infrastructure to adapt. And he wasn't alone in that sentiment. So I would tell you that the impact of climate change is, is, is more severe and obviously here. It's not something that's in the future. It's something we're experiencing. That's Suzanne Coffey, Great Lakes Water Authority Chief Planning Officer. The biggest cause is the fact that the rain intensity was so high. So our system is designed to convey what we call a 10-year, one-hour event, about 1.8 inches of rain in an hour. In that event, we received, and the region received, um, very significant intense rain. So we, we, we got more than seven inches, closer to eight inches in 19 hours which is way beyond the design capacity of the systems. Even with all the treatment facilities and all of that, uh, it was just overwhelmed. Detroit residents have expressed some feelings of betrayal by authorities, saying that not enough is being done. They don't see the results on their end. Um, and every time it rains now, that's a source of stress for them. What would you say to those people? Yes, I would say um, know, know that, that we are working diligently on your behalf and working with the Detroit local system diligently to do what we can do in the face of this change in the climate. But this, this climate change piece, this is big. It's gonna take, take, take all of us and all the best and the brightest in the region for us to come together to tackle this one. 
Uh, we have a very solid executive team and team members throughout the organization at all levels that are dedicated to, to preserving the public's trust. We're on the front line. Uh, we are doing everything that we can to protect the public's interests and public safety. Uh, what what are potential solutions for this? Like if what can be done to help prevent these uh, uh, the flooding, the backup of the water from getting into people's basements? Right. Yeah, this is, these are great questions, Carrie, and I appreciate you leading the dialogue. Um, no problem. Professor Bill Schuster again. You know, how do we cope with basically a permanent infrastructure that's in place? Are we going to dig up pipes, you know, that were put in the 1920s or 30s? Um, one approach is cooperation and collaboration, you know, working at the regional level to say, hmm, you got a lot of flow coming in from this area. Is there any way you can, you can retain that? You know, there are technologies of lining pipes to, to minimize uh, the amount of inflow and infiltration into our, our piped conveyances. You can separate the system like some communities have done over time. You can separate the storm flow and the septic flow and route those, you know, to different and appropriate areas. Your septic flow goes to the wastewater treatment plant. Your stormwater goes out to uh, Lake St. Clair, Detroit River, for example. But that's uh, very disruptive uh, as far as you know, tearing up streets and, and systems. There are opportunities to create uh, what are called complete streets by reimagining our transportation network uh, in concert with you know, basically environmental management goals. So that brings in to the conversation the ideas where green infrastructure may be, may be useful or valuable. Um, you know, we have to get our our infrastructure, our existing uh, water infrastructure, working optimally. DWSD is working on some of that, and Gliwa is getting to work too. What does Gliwa need to provide a drier future for southeastern Michigan residents? So we certainly need the support of the region. Suzanne Coffee again. It's not something Great Lakes Water Authority can do alone. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're working, you know, we work on that on many fronts in terms of collaborating, but we also need funding. So we're looking hard at uh, opportunities to get uh, funding to to support the plans, and you know, for the for, for, for increased resiliency. Back in 2016, you all had identified some things that you needed to change. It seems like though there's still plans that need to be implemented. Why haven't they been implemented if you knew back in 2016 that there needed to be changes? We did a significant amount of median improvements to increase the resiliency at those pump stations. But what we also realized was we just need to rebuild the pump stations uh, the, and, and build them to current design standards and make them more reliable overall. So we've invested more than $10 million in those two pump stations since 2016. But the project that we have that is underway, in fact, part of it's designed and the other part of the design should be complete this year. Uh, is a, is about a two hundred and fifty million dollar construction project. We did kind of the you know the short term, the medium term, and the long term actions. And the short and medium term actions are done in that ten million dollars of work that we've done. But the long term, the long longer term solution is it's it's well underway. How long will it take before we see results from these plans that that have been implemented to to improve the system? So the fruit and counter pump station upgrade projects we think will be done in about seven or eight years. The, the part, of, 
part of the project will go out for bid next year. The public should see activity breaking ground in those pump stations in the next year. Bill told me there are options homeowners can try themselves. Stuff like check valves and backflow preventers. We're going to include those details in our show notes and how Detroit's mayor is eyeing the federal infrastructure bill to help. But residents and experts are questioning authorities' ability to respond to these floods right now, before the next rainfall. Is the system reliable as it is right now? It uh, doesn't appear to be. Um, that may be you know, provocative, <laughs> let's say. Um, it feels a bit um, almost inevitable in a way that, that residents are going to have to deal with this until Gliwa or someone comes along in the hopefully near future to solve this problem on a, on a larger scale, just because I don't imagine it being very feasible for individual residents to pay for it on their own. Which is a bit depressing, isn't it? Uh, yeah. I, I know that I've reconsidered uh, the use of my basement. Uh, all my neighbors feel the same way. Uh, some have completely abandoned their basements. It's not just me that feels like a piece of shit. This is Darius again. It's like a couple of thousand people that historically feel like, man, you just don't really care that much or it's just not that urgent to, to get to. And I, I just mean like disenfranchised people from different uh, groups of color. I mean, white, black, brown. Like if you're in a certain area, it's just like, all right, bro, well, we'll just get to you when we get to you, fam. You know, I would want to feel that support from the city that, hey, you know, we're trying, we're doing what we're doing. And, you know, we're prioritizing you all. And this is how we plan to do those things instead of like shifting blame at these communities meetings. I'm not in this alone. Like I can't be selfish enough to think that my basement and us cutting out the drywall four or five feet up like woe is me no there are people who lost real things went through real real emergencies and i want to be extremely clear that like i'm this is not just a problem with me this is a problem for everybody that's along this jefferson chalmers region well this episode might be over but Darius and Jacqueline's story is ongoing. Until next time, I'm your host, Kerry Jr. II, and this is On The Line. This episode was produced by Darcy Moran, Tad Davis, and me, Kerry Jr. II. Anjanette Delgado and Marianne Struman are our executive producers. Peter Batia is our editor. The music for the show is called Fort Trumbull, and was produced by DJ Lostboy. As always, thanks for listening. And if you like the show, leave a rating, subscribe, and send someone a link to the show. It really makes a difference. See you next week.